Welcome, Highfalutin Ski Bum Podcast, episode number 255. It is September. We have survived unofficial summer. It is your pals, Mario and Ryan. Mario, what's up? Just chilling today. I'm liking this podcast. I'm liking the fact that we are kind of expanding, broadening our, you know, spreading our wings. It's good. Taking these broken wings and learning to fly again. Yes. We actually just did a interview with our pal Tim from Ski Rex Media, which if you are not following him, go follow him again at Ski Rex Media on all the socials. He should be posting that either this week or next week. A little chat. We didn't talk much skiing. It was a little bit. It was, it was uh, a lot of crazy, little... good, fun stuff. Yeah, there was some good stuff in there, and, and Tim's always fun to chat with. So check that out. We just had a nice conversation with our pal, Matt Pepin, who we've had on before. Matt is in a new role this year. He's going to be writing for the New England Ski Journal. So that'll yeah. be awesome. If you're not subscribed to that, check that out. We'll have links in the show notes. Congrats always, to Matt. Always great chatting with Matt. Always a good time. Thank you for listening. We really do appreciate it. Check us out, skibumpodcast.com. Check us out on the socials at skibumpodcast, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Untapped. We had a lot of good feedback with our for our interview with our buddy Abe from Ski Re- Ski System. I was thinking Ski Rex Media. Yeah. From the Ski System. A lot of good workout tips. And uh, posted a bunch of things on Instagram, a bunch of reels. Yeah. Got some good feedback on those. Go and check that out, skibumpodcast.com. Also, we still have the shop, skibumpodcast.com slash shop if you're interested. You got to buy some stuff. Look, I got my shirt on. There you go. Football season is starting. hat on. That oh. hat. I think that shirt is super underrated. I don't get why people aren't like, we haven't sold out yet, but we haven't. You got a lot of people that hate the Raiders. That's why I think that's, that's the beautiful thing about it. I hate the Raiders too. I don't care about football, but I love the shirt. It just works. The logo the shirt. works. It's awesome. Hate the team. Love the shirt. There you go. Go check that out. Go to your favorite podcasting apps, rate, subscribe. That would really help us spread the word. Also, if you want to send us an email, skibonepodcast at gmail.com. We have to give a shout out to our sponsor, Paradise Skis. They make seriously fun skis. They're all about making skiing as fun as possible, whether that's shredding laps in Hawaiian shirts, bringing the parking lot apres, or getting up early for that huge backcountry objective. Their mission, to build skis and snowboards that allow customers to enjoy every single day in the mountains. They got three. They got two pairs of skis and one snowboard. They got the red resort skis. It's sort of back there, pointing to it. If you're watching the video. See it right there? Yep, right over your shoulder. There's the red skis, sort of. There you go. I see it. Blue skis, backcountry. They also have the green, which is a split board. If you're into that, if you want to check them out, go to the website, paradiseskis.com. Use the code SKIBUM15, 15% off. Get out there. Have fun. We're going to chat with those guys again, Adam and Cam, in a few weeks. They're getting psyched for the season. We're getting psyched. Cannot wait. Mario, let's kick it off the way we always do. It's time for Apre Today. Good old Apre Today. Boom. All right, so I was up in New Hampshire uh, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, something like that. I may be up there tomorrow to whoop a little kid's ass, but we'll see. <laughs> uh, that's a little personal insight. 
that Brian has. Um, but while I was up there, I went to the Whole Foods up in Nashua, New Hampshire, and they happened to have a nice beer cooler. And I know we talked about this on the podcast before, but they actually had a tap room. Um, and I, I think Whole Foods are adding them in. Uh, and it's really cool. So they had a whole tap room and they had uh, pretty good. If you, if you're on the socials, I, I posted it to Instagram, the, uh, the look of the beer cooler and they had some pretty stunning beers, uh, just cause there's a lot of good beers in that area, uh, that were there. So while I was there, I, I picked this, uh, it's kind of like I picked this off the vine. Uh, this is the zero gravity strawberry berry moon, strawberry moon. Whoa. So zero gravity in Vermont in uh, Burlington. We actually, Brian, that's one of our faves, right? Oh yeah. So I figured I'd get this. It's something different. I like the can. It's like a nice pinkish reddish with like moons on it. And it's just really cool. Really cool can. But uh, I looked it up beer advocate. It got a little, wasn't suit. It got an 88, which is very good. So, you know, not like spectacular, not like horrible, but you know, very good. Strong. They've been producing this for a while, I guess. Uh, it's a sour fruited kettle sour beer, and it has fresh picked Vermont strawberries from Vermont farmers, organic strawberries. Um, and they add lactobacillus, which provides a tart backdrop for the bright strawberry notes to shine. And it got me looking lactobacillus. So of course I look up lactobacillus and I get like WebMD makes you shit like this whole thing. Like it's, it's, it's really like the full (laughs) spectrum, but when you get down to it, that's a problem. (laughs) Yeah. So university of Rochester medical center has their healthy encyclopedia and they're saying it's lactobacillus acidophilus. So it's actually, Acidophilus, which is what's in yogurt, right? So they're saying lactobacilli grow well in milk and foods made from milk. They're responsible for the souring of milk. So I guess instead of just acting lactose, they added lactobacillus to this. So I'm thinking this is healthy for me. This has to be like a kombucha, right? I mean, you know, again, totally wrong, but when I'm wanting a beer, I'm always thinking, you know what? This needs a little bit of yogurt that would really complete. The flavor and texture profile. A little yogurt beer. Well, texture is good. I'll show you the, uh, got my nice little Brighton Hoff glass. Where is it? There you go. And uh, nice color. It has like a slight, you know, I saw some of the tasting notes and they were like, no, it has a, uh, like a pinkish hue. And I'm like, has a slight pinkish hue, but it, it really looks just like a regular beer in the glass. Now, tasting this, I'm not a big sour um, fan, but I think I may become a sour fan after drinking this because I tell you what, after drinking all these seltzers all summer and getting a little bit bloated from the amount of seltzer I'm drinking and just like, this is actually not a seltery, but it's good, smooth drinking. Tastes light, has a nice fruity strawberry flavor. Um I guess when you talk about that yogurt flavorish kind of sour, I guess it's there, but um, 
you taste that more than the strawberries, but the strawberries are like very mild. Like it's not very, it's like a hint of strawberry on the nose. And then the flavor is, I guess you get front end strawberry, back end, like yogurt, sour kind of. I can't even imagine what that tastes like. But when I say yogurt sour, I mean like, it's not a bad taste. It's like the finish of like when you have a scoop of yogurt. Yeah. You know, it's like a little yeah. sourish. I, I get it. I get what you're saying, but I'm just trying to imagine it as a beer taste. Yeah, texture-wise, it's like a nice beer, nice, smooth, clean, crisp beer. Is the taste, it has like a funky, kind of almost like a hazy, like look like a to pink it. Haze, yeah, yeah, it's like a pinkish, but not really much. It really looks no, kind of normal. I thought it'd be more pinkish. I thought it'd be like a uh, rosé or some shit. Yeah. Hey, um, I mean, I gotta say, it's zero gravity. Drinking. They're pretty legit. So, and this is good. It actually tastes a little bit like perfume smells. If perfume, like if you get like a perfumey strawberry kind of thing, that's kind of like the little, little taste. Um, marks are all over the place. Some people didn't like the, the sourness. Some people wanted more strawberry. Uh, I never have too much strawberry. I'm kind of good with it because it's not sweet. You know what I mean? I don't like sweet. So this is sour, but not sweet. I got you. Pretty good. If you want to add some high fructose corn syrup, I'm sure that might be right for these people that are looking for a little more strawberry taste, a little more sweet strawberry taste. But you know, you could go to McDonald's and get a, a strawberry shake and pour some of this in there, create your own smooge or something. Who can stop you? <laughs> Smooge it up. Smooge. Homemade smooge. smooge. Homemade. You know, I thought about making homemade smooge. Mm. So I have these. I went to Costco and I bought the uh, naked juice, you know, the little minis, but I yeah, put yeah. the case of them. And I love those because I could chuck them in shakes. I could just drink them, whatever. And now I'm getting to the point where I didn't drink them quick enough. So I have like the expiration date is coming soon, like next week. And I'm like, I don't like. I will drink past the expiration date, but I like doing it before. And I'm thinking, I'm like, can I add like some vodka into the naked, shake it up? And would that be like a smooge? I think there's only one way to find out. Or throw a white claw in there or throw that in a white claw. Just some regular seltzer, regular seltzer, vodka with the naked juice. I got to see. There might be a homemade smooge formula. It's time for science, bro. (laughs) It's time for science. But that's pretty good. So zero gravity. I gotta say it's it's a good try and maybe a once in a while kind of beer sour. But I'm not a big sour fan, so people that like sours, I'm sure, love this stuff. How about you, Brian? This is one of the beers I found this summer that I've been a, a pretty big fan of. And I think I've talked about Cape May Brewing a good amount this summer because of their wonderful hard seltzers that I discovered and which got me on the, the old seltzer train finally. Nice. But today I have their... Because again, it's after Labor Day, so technically it's still summer. It doesn't really feel as summery anymore. I need to get out with these summer beers. Ah. It's still technically summer. I'm going to go with this one. This is Cape May Brewing's Tan Limes. Oh, so this is a tan limes. Nice play on words. I like it. Mexican style lager with sea salt and lime. 
So, so what is a Mexican style? It's kind of like Corona-ish, you know, so it's a lager. All right. Um, I don't really know lighter. What, what they put in there. Yeah, it's a, definitely a pale lager. And they've harvested sea salt and a hint of Persian lime juice. So it's mm. light. It's kind of fresh. They say it pairs well with tacos. One million percent. I could definitely see that. Yeah, you know, I had this quest for for just like chill, low alcohol beers. And this one just... It it's like a margarita in beer form, right? Yeah, it's more like a Corona with lime. Oh, okay. That's that's sort of what it, what they're going for here, and I think they hit it just right. It's it's light. It's super crushable. You could probably drink a six pack of these and nice. still drive your family and not get wicked hammered ninety miles an hour. I think you should <laughs> not get wicked hammered in the minivan, just fucking cruising down after drinking like a case of those. Yeah. <laughs> it's cool. The salt is kind of cool in there. That little bit of salt flavor. And really? lime again, like you were sipping, like you mentioned a margarita, like sipping off that. But yeah. again, you're not getting that sweetness that you would from a margarita. Tasty, light, summery, perfect for uh, you know throwing a little toast to uh, darker days and colder days that we are all looking forward to. So nice, Cape May. I've been digging like most of the stuff they make is just solid. The Cape May beers. Do you ever really know anybody that did beer salt? I don't even know what you're talking about. So I knew somebody from Texas and when they were visiting, when I was in college, they were like, no, I brought my own salt. I'm like, what do you mean you brought your own salt? Who the fuck cares? Like they're like, they brought it to a bar and we're like, what do you do? Like we put it in the beer and it's like a real thing. You look up beer salt and there's these different beer salts and people put salt in the beer. So I'm wondering if that's kind of like salt came from. Yeah, right. So I'm wondering if like beer salt. Wow, salts, beer salt strips. Yeah. But they have like little shakers and you bring it out and you just you you they you get the beer and it has like the little head, the foam, and you you throw it in there and it kills the foam and it kind of flavors the beer a little bit. It's very weird, but I don't think it's like regular table salt. It's like a different kind of salt, maybe. Maybe like rock salt that you put on your driveway. Okay, or like the pretzel salt, you know? <laughs> or pretzel salt, like kosher salt. Like, I don't know. The original these... twang, the original beer salt since 1986. That's not even wow. that old. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, it's, I was thinking like uh, 1804. 1886, maybe. But mm. 1986, like, what the fuck? Are you wearing, you know, leggings on this? Like, leg warmers and like, fucking leotard? <laughs> Yeah, they're saying salties, peel it, stick it, lick it, beer salt strips. Wow. It changes everything. Now, I had it, what, what this person had when, and I was in college, I was drinking anything, but um, I remember drinking it and being like, hey, this is pretty good. Yeah, this is crazy. I never knew this was a thing. Oh, this is a thing. Oh, it definitely is a thing. Look at that. Badia which is the Spanish brand of seasonings. If you haven't, they're like the, I don't know what nationality they are, like Colombian McCormick. Like, I don't know what they are, but they have salt for beer. Hmm. Badia salt for beer. Buck 99. Buck 99. You really can't go wrong. And then they have twang pickle beer salts, pickle flavored beer salt. Pickle, pickle rig. 
like pickle rick beer salt so if you have pickle flavored beer salt why are you drinking that beer that's got to be a pretty shitty beer maybe you got the wrong beer well i think you you probably had those strips before the craft beer movement that's right and then like let's make this in the beer no they maybe had a strawberry sour strip that they could have put in there lemon lime long neck strip it's just weird and that's from Albertsons. Albertsons is like the grocery chain. Then H-E-B, H-E-Butt, they have their own twang line beer salt. Like there's tailgating child, saltese beer salt strips review. They have a review. Did you look at the review? I so anyway, I'm, I'm very intrigued by this like salt in your beer because they're putting in the beer and I'm wondering if it's the same kind of salt. Like what is that salt? Twang beer salt. This is. I, is it different? Is it the same? Born in Texas, yes, yeah, San Antonio. I just. Te- I mean, it's a Texas there, thing. Is there some sort of like belt holster you have to carry your salt out with? You show up. It's like good, the bad, and the ugly. Who's going to salt their beer first? Yeah, Mexican standoff. Yes, a bidet. So it's salt, citric acid, sugar, silicon dioxide to prevent caking, and lemon oil. So it's like a lemon, citrus, oh, there's sugar in it too, and salt. They have the twangerita for your margaritas if you want. You've got high blood pressures. This is shit to stay away from. <laughs> yeah, right. like, it's bad enough you're drinking beer. but <laughs> So you're drinking beer and you're adding salt. You think that might be salt. a problem? Yeah. It's like a double whammy. My heart is just slacking off. I need to crank it up a bit. You might as well hang it up. You might as well have some diabetes too. Yeah, oh, a little dash of diabetes in there. You got a mix for that? Yeah. It's called Hyperthus Hunter. <laughs> well, speaking of the South. Let's go to Ski News. So this is a pretty big story this week. West Virginia. Mountain Home. Mountain, Mountain Home. West Virginia. They are offering $12,000 and free season pass for workers to move there. Almost heaven, West Virginia, Blue Ridge Mountains, Shenandoah River. Life is old there. Older than the trees, younger than the mountains, growing like a breeze. John Effin Denver. The state's tourism board and governor's office has created an extremely enticing offer to solve their issue of a dwindling population. In April, they announced their first worker program that gave new residents $12,000 to help incentivize a move to the state. In the first year, $10,000 is divided into monthly payments. The $2,000 is given after the second full year of living in the state. The overall package gives movers $20,000 in incentives, which includes covering outdoor passes for various activities. The first applications ran through the end of May for the city of Morgantown, and 53 prospects were accepted. Applications are currently open for Lewisburg. Future applications will be available for the town of Shepherdstown. Town of Shepherds. I like it. Just a town of Shepherds. Shepherds no sheep? That's weird. Okay, then then comes the insane outdoor perks with the move. You get a free, you get a year of free outdoor activities, including a season pass with their partners, either Snowshoe, Winter Place Resort, and Cannon Valley Resort. Nice. Yeah. 
West Virginia's decline has been no secret. After the coal, steel, and other various industries got offshore, the state has become one of the poorest in the nation. I got to so, yeah. say, West Virginia, when you drive through, is freaking gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. A lot and, of nice uh, mountains. Oh. Vermont tried this a few years ago, too. I remember that when they were offering like Did 10 they? grand to people. Yeah, to move up there. Was it a scam? I don't think it was a scam. I think, uh, well, it was pre-COVID. I think was it based COVID on you getting other friends to come with you? That you get part of theirs and then they get people and then you get more money? A, a Vermont moving Ponzi scheme? <laughs> <laughs> a little pyramid Ponzi scheme going? Ponzi move? I like that. <laughs> now, and there's now, Amway uh, throwing it. Throw Amway in there somehow. <laughs> Yeah, so they're saying so. So you got Lewisburg and Shepherdstown. So where exactly is Lewisburg in reference to the actual ski mountain? (laughs) I want to say it with a straight face. I can't say it. It's right next to Otisburg. I believe it's next to Otisburg. That's uh, am I missing something? That's uh, from uh, freaking Superman. That was Lex Luthor, Otisburg, Otisburg. I'm going to look up Otisburg now. I totally don't get the... I've never actually seen those old Supermans. I'm such a... Old Superman was um, Lex Luthor, which was... um, What the hell was his name? Um, Was it Hopper? Was Was it Dennis Hopper? It was Dennis Hopper. And he created this whole weird-ass map of the world. He's like, I'm going to give this to you. And his... His little henchman was named Otis. He's like, I'm going to name this Otisburg. Awesome. I don't know. I digress. Yeah. All right. So here's the deal. So Lewisburg, which is the one that's currently taking applications. Lewisburg is about an hour and a half south. From Otisburg. (laughs) From Snowshoe. Ah, that's not bad. Hour and a half. That's quite a ride, though. Shepherdstown. That's a solid four hours. What? Four hours north. I mean, it's on that. It's in like that weird part of like if you look at the shape of West Virginia. I know this is like the worst reference. It looks kind of like a ball sack. <laughs> <laughs> so if you look at the two hanging balls, look at the shape. It's like it's on a like, little. Well, it's sort of on the the connect where it connects to your taint. <laughs> <laughs> so on the taint, yeah. <laughs> Shepherd's Town is kind of on the taint. Okay. And then so, <laughs> Lewisburg taint. is way down in the ball bag. <laughs> taint in the ball bag. But wait, it depends how low the balls hang. I mean, it's well. Is it cold just, out? Are they high up balls? Like just, low down balls? Room temperature. <laughs> Well, let's say 98.6, where it's the same temperature as your body. So it's the balls are just where they're supposed to be. <laughs> well, I see, I see Frederick, but you're talking Fredericksburg. I said Lewisburg, not Fredericksburg. Lewisburg. <laughs> Lewisburg. I'm talking Shepherdstown. Shepherdstown. Where Shep- where's Lewisburg? Shepherdstown is the taint. And Lewisburg is down near the bottom of the balls. <laughs> <laughs> and snowshoe is about a third of the way up the ball. Third of the way up the ball. Yeah. Actually about halfway up the ball, let's call it. Oh, I see it now. Yeah, very easy to see once you say that. Doesn't it look like a scrotum? 
<laughs> we're gonna have everybody writing to us be like you guys are dumb that's not the way it works hey man you get what you pay for here what'd you expect it's not on the sack it's on the bottom of the ball and then the other one's on the taint exactly not far from gettysburg not far from gettysburg well pretty far <laughs> it doesn't look far from this map yeah i guess you don't realize how big west virginia is you think of it as like a small state and you look at the drive times but again, I don't know if it's because the roads, well, it's kind of, well, it's long. It's, you know, it's like sack looking. But it's all ball. There's no shaft. Well, it's like, a, it's like a sack of you're running. So it's kind of like going back. <laughs> it's like a sack in motion. Sack in motion. Action sack. <laughs> I'm pretty sure our application will be denied if they do this. <laughs> I don't, I don't think you can apply anymore. I'm sorry. And blew it. Damn it. Damn it. <laughs> I don't know how we got here, but that's one. <laughs> that's one hell of an article. We uh how do we ever get to where we get to? We just get there. I don't know. But this is a great program. Just <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty this sad that, why that we people get are that bucks. <laughs> it's pretty sad that that like skiers are this hard up for people and that there's a declining population just declining jobs what are you going to do in West Virginia like what are you going to like as a job what would you do there but thinking about it, there are families that probably moved to West Virginia because there are so many jobs in coal and steel and whatever the industries were at the time and now it's like well there's nothing to fill the gap so we lost these industries and they're gone. You know, what, what are you going to do? I know there are some, what was the big place in, was it Virginia or West Virginia that had like, um, they got the, um, like when Google ran the fiber, they got that in there and it blew up as this like big tech, tech hub community. So you wonder if something like that would, I don't know if it was West Virginia. It could have been Virginia. It could have been, what the hell was that? I think they did that in Kansas City and maybe in Austin, Texas. I think. Uh, oh, it was Tennessee. That's what I was thinking about. Oh, Tennessee. No, Nashville, wasn't it? Um, I think it was somewhere else in Tennessee, but <clears throat> the same idea, right? They, they throw fiber in there and it's like, boom, all of a sudden it's like a tech boom. And you wonder what's happening to them now, but at least it brings industry in, you know? Yeah. And what's crazy is you look at the houses there. I mean, they're inexpensive, but it's not like they're like stupid cheap. Hey, like right, right on the mountain, a snowshoe. Boom. Well, right? no, I'm talking like Lewisburg. Oh, so I guess Lewisburg, you're right on the highway there. So you can probably get into, uh, I don't know if there's something in Virginia. Cause you're not far from the border there. There's like high speed a train, a free high speed train. I mean, you're not really even that close to D.C. at that point. Like, you're kind of near at least an hour, two hours to Lynchburg. I mean, I, yeah, I don't, I don't even really know where you're, what you're doing, where you're going, where the where the jobs are in that area. But again, I'm, yeah, I'm not, definitely not an expert in the area. So, because uh, the house has one point two million dollars in Lewisburg. See, that's where you need to have retirees go and just bring money and industry in without needing jobs, right? Yeah. 
And then you have the service industry like starts booming to support that like infrastructure. Like Damn. you never know. Yeah. So yeah, pretty interesting. Views, though. Yeah, very interesting. So we'll see what happens there. So Would what you is go there? Maybe. I'm wondering if like Jackson Hall has the same thing. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> They're like, are you not a billionaire? Do you need help with housing? You mean you're not a billionaire and you're you're working, you know, so you have to be a, a millionaire and work at the restaurants, not a billionaire and just like own all the stuff, right? Like it's yeah. just weird. I guess it's all around a relative. Yeah, that's for sure. I don't know. All right, moving along. Bluebird Backcountry adds 12 new runs and four skin tracks. Bluebird Backcountry, it's a liftless human-powered ski resort between Kremlin and Steamboat Springs, is back for its second full season at Bear Mountain. After a productive off-season, Bluebird now has 12 new trails, four new skin tracks, claiming 400% more tree skiing and three times more terrain on the north face. They've been trying to expand. This kind of setup, we're talking Mongolian... You know, Mongolian horde, this is kind of what it is, right? You just, boom, we're there. We set up. That's all you do. And there's terrain, go ski it, do whatever you got to do. So four new extreme runs on the backside, uh, known as Kular Zone, which was out of bounds last year on the north face. There are six new black runs, most of which are in a zone previously labeled a terrain trap, <laughs> which isn't, I got to say, they got to be great. <laughs> I got to say that's, uh, yeah, it's interesting. On the lower side with the North Face, there is also a new green-blue run and a blue run. So that's cool. So there's different terrain. They got a map on this article, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I remember we talked skiing. about this last year because they just opened last season for their their first you know, first year. And it was, the, it was perfect timing because this is the, exactly the kind of resort that isn't going to suffer from didn't you know last year didn't suffer from all the changes the you know covid restrictions and yeah yeah here i mean all outdoors no lifts you know like i mean what a cool idea and to now add even more terrain is so fantastic yeah it's really pretty cool i gotta say i'm liking this and you know what it gets people out there not just learning how to get on and off a lift and throw themselves down and run, but how to really know your equipment, manage your time, get a lot of good exercise. And I don't know. seems pretty cool. Yeah. It's cool. They have their season passes and they start at two forty nine for the year. Wow. And it's cool Cause you can actually camp there too. Nice. nice. Yeah. Their season pass is three forty nine. If you got a regular one. See, that'd be cool to like hike and camp and just hang out there and just ski a few days. Like, yeah, unlimited Thursday through Monday, no blackout dates, no reservations, <laughs> definitely no lift lines. Yeah, there's only a thousand passes available, and it looks like they have a catted out little tent village, and that's it. That's that's what they have. Yeah, that's it. But it's cool you can camp out there. Like, how fun would that be to do for a couple of days? Oh, that'd be pretty awesome. That'd be awesome. That you roll in there, you set up your own big yurt. So I'm saying you travel yurt style. Uh, have the chopper ride in with your big yurt, drop it well, down. But like, be like, like Wrigley Brothers coming in, the traveling circus. <laughs> <laughs> have your big top come in. Dude, can you imagine you set up like a massive like 
200 foot wide big top just here you go is my tent that's what i'm talking about got a basketball court in there <laughs> like fucking crazy stuff yeah well here's something that's a little bit disturbing uh freak u.s winters linked to arctic warming Models suggest that distortions in polar vortex winds can send chilly air hurtling southwards, but some climate scientists remain unconvinced. Recent spells of unusually cold winter weather in the United States and other parts of the Northern Hemisphere could be a paradoxical sequence of the climate warming in the Arctic, according to a study based on decades of atmospheric observations. However, it is still unclear whether this represents a long-term trend that will persist as the world heats up. The Arctic's rate of warming is twice that for Earth as a whole, and some climate researchers have long suspected that the rapid, ar rapid Arctic warming can't trigger anomalies or can trigger anomalies in the winds around the North Pole with consequences for weather thousands of kilometers farther south. Hmm. Conventional wisdom is that while global warming means more heat waves, it will definitely lead to less cold spells and snowfall, says Judah Cohen, a climate scientist at the at MIT and lead author of the study. But that's not quite true. There are mechanisms by which climate change can contribute to more severe winter weather, too. One dominant feature of the winter atmosphere above the Arctic is the polar vortex, a fast-flowing band of high-altitude winds. The vortex normally isolates the atmosphere over the Arctic for, from warmer air closer to the equator. But when the polar vortex stretches and undulates, as it sometimes does, chilly air can leak out to latitudes that would otherwise rarely experience cold snaps. Such extreme weather can prove fatal in regions unprepared for frosty conditions. In February, at least 111 people died in Texas when cold Arctic air hit the states and parts of northern Mexico. Yeah, I remember that. That was pretty wild, right? That was really nutty. Yeah, and the picture in this article has a picture of Austin, Texas, all covered in snow. It's wild. Which they never get, yeah. So they just talk about in the, the rest of the article that they've compared 40 years of satellite observations over the Arctic and, you know, computed climate models uh, again it's it's something that's still evolving and it's crazy to think that arctic warming is leading to more cold well they also say like the whole so you get the the melt of the polar ice caps and that goes into the sea well there's a whole system where fresh water in the sea throws things off, right? So the fresh water, I guess, is lighter and the salt like goes lower. And they actually say if a lot of fresh water were to go into the ocean, it would actually create like a global cooling. So while so when we you warm, put ice and ice and salt in your cooler, it actually keeps your beer colder than just regular ice. Yeah, something like that. I don't know. There's something with the density of it. And the, when you talk about that massive amount of fresh water going into the oceans, it changes things. And it actually, you go from cold, you go from global warming into global cooling. And it's like, so they're actually saying the global warming could lead into another ice age. And I think this is kind of going into the same, same idea of it. But well, they do say that there's there's definitely debate between climate scientists whether this is accurate or not, or if if this is this holds true. So 
again, we really haven't solved anything, figured anything out. And I should have been a freaking climate scientist getting like a grant. I could make bank just by kind of saying some stuff, but not kind of saying some stuff. Right. It's just frustrating. Really have a solution. Yeah. It's damn frustrating. It's evolving. Yeah. We shall see. But uh, again, every, every winter, you know, we kind of cross our fingers and just keep hoping we get the snow that we're used to. And again, that's, it's almost like the opposite of hurricane season. You know, like when hurricane season comes, you kind of, if you're in that region that gets hit, you kind of cross your fingers that you're not going to get hit. Hey man, I'm right. I'm right in the bullseye. We're just cross our fingers and every year it just misses us because of where we're situated in comparison to like the little islands, you know, like, you know, especially Cuba, Cuba helps us a lot, honestly, it, it, cause it's mountainous and it funnels stuff away, but then everything hits like what's gotten hit. Like, you know, Texas and, and Alabama and New Orleans, New Orleans. like Yeah, that crazy storm came up and <clears throat> whacked the Northeast too pretty good. Yeah. Well, here's the weird part. It went, it hit them and then it went up and it hit you guys. We got nothing. We we're in like a little pocket of just like what we get. We got nice rainy stuff here and there, but like generally like a little passing storm and that was it. Like we we got nothing from it. So Yeah. Very weird. And then if you look at the hurricane season, right? So if you look at like how hurricanes start, like they, they do a big deal of it because I'm in Florida now. And it's like, so the wind comes off the Sahara and they actually track how much dust and sand is in the winds that come from the Sahara. So there's actually times where it's a little hazy out and it's due to sand being blown over from the Sahara. And I'm like, here you are, like, how many miles away? You don't think you're even affected by them, and you're getting the winds from there. And that's what actually starts a lot of the hurricanes. It's the winds off the Sahara. I'm like, holy crap. That's like, so crazy, isn't it? We're more connected than you think, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, how far is that shit? That's pretty far. Yeah. But So last but not least, we have an article from New England Ski Journal, which our buddy Matt's going to be writing for. Uh, September images from the mountains are full of ante- anticipation and this year heartbreak. This is written by Eric Wilbur, who I know Matt and him, longtime friends, and they've collaborated on some projects. Brian, I'll let you talk a little bit more about this. I know you've dissected this one a little bit more. Yeah, this one actually refers mostly to that Caldor fire that they're having out in Lake Tahoe. I guess, I don't know if it's still raging or not, or if it's actually... It hit Tahoe. Didn't it burn up a lot of Tahoe? Well, that's what this article really goes into detail about, is the Sierra at Tahoe Resort, which is, you know, south of South Lake Tahoe and Heavenly. There's images of, you know, the resort burned out. You see the fires raging. You see the chairlifts. And, you know, Eric spoke to one of the former employees there. And he said that he cried when he saw the images filtering from his home mountain. It's horrible. Yeah. They're showing just pictures because yeah, you're seeing like, imagine your favorite ski resort and you think about it being, you know, white and snowy and there's the lift. Now imagine all that white snow is actually fire because that's what the, the images mm. were. And there's a great map that they have here from the Mercury News, which shows how fast the fire spread. It was about two weeks. Yeah. And it traveled. I and guess how big it was, like too. 30 miles, it looks like. 
Yeah, roughly. And then they had a huge evacuation area too. Most of the the southern Lake Tahoe area, the whole southwestern area, had a mandatory evacuation as of August thirty first. Mm. Which is yeah, crazy. I remember when we were going to Heavenly, right? So our first big ski trip together was out to Heavenly, and we had a great time. We we're in South Lake Tahoe, and I remember checking because we weren't sure about where we were staying. It was like a condo that was kind of through a timeshare that somebody gave us. It was just a whole weird thing. Remember, I I called you. I was like, I don't know what's going on, but I think like the place might be burning out. So they always get like fires near there every summer, but it's weird. Like this, this was really, really more aggressive than it has been. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's you know again you get excited for all the the new snow and oh we got a little bit of snow here there's a coating here but I mean this is a whole different thing and, and again this crazy world we've been in the last eighteen months this is I don't think poetic is the right word but it's you know it's I don't know I don't know what the right word is it just seems very. trying to say the trying to come up with the right phrase for it it just seems not appropriate that seems a little too harsh but uh well ironic right like maybe ironic is the like all stuff going on and people you think like we're gonna have to worry about a covid thing like a, a map of covid that we're gonna look at right and now we're looking at fire like okay we didn't plan on the fire but you know what the fire has always been there and we forgot about it because we're concentrating on the whole covid thing and forgetting about the fire thing you know, which there are some people putting their their lives on the line to fight these fires, which they always do in the midst of COVID, in the midst of all the other shit that's going on in the world that we kind of take for granted, if you think about it, right? Just expected to be there, ready to go in the winter. Yeah. And said over two, almost 200,000 acres were burned in this fire. Damn. Which is crazy. So I hope everyone's safe out there. Hope everyone evacuated. Ugh, I don't know if they're gonna what their plan is if they're trying to reopen, or you know, it says there's there is extensive damage at the resort. We shall see. And they also said that you know the Tahoe area resorts, Sierra and Kirkwood did last week. Heavenly has turned on dozens of machines normally used for snowmaking around the clock, pumping out millions of gallons of water to soak buildings, ski lifts, and forests in a high-stakes attempt to halt the advancing fire and even raise the humidity levels around the imperiled areas. That is crazy. It's kind of a yin and yang, right? Because I think the last... Well, 2019 looks like was maybe a lighter year. Or 2020, I didn't keep track of. But you get these ebb and flows of like how much vegetation grows and how dry it gets and it kind of you know i'm sure they watch that before the season starts but i think this has just been a um there's a lot of vegetation a lot of dryness too so it kind of just like it's like one of those perfect storms of like ready to start fires and i don't know it's pretty crazy to see the cause of some of these fires they're like i love when they can pinpoint it down to something like oh I remember last year, the big thing was uh, somebody had a, a baby reveal party that started this massive fire, fire, uh, fire, you know, fire. And it's like, you know, 
was your was your baby reveal party that that important um or they <laughs> yeah, track right. it down to somebody with a cigarette like it's pretty it's pretty crazy that they do that well the um, other other the other uh fires they had earlier this summer in california it was actually a professor who started them uh, and they actually why? found the guy i think it's he was crazy. kind of a lunatic yeah Damn. Well, then you hear like they shut down the power lines because like the power lines cause fires. I'm like, yeah, I never thought about it, but I guess they got these power lines run through these, you know, big ass forests. Like you never think about like we have to get power from point A to point B. Where does it go through? Because it's the goes through a forest. You know, if they don't they don't clean it up, you know, it could it could go up too. I mean, there's a lot here that we need to learn from and try to figure out if we can stop this from happening again. Yeah. It's just, it's unfortunate and, you know, hope everyone is safe out there and that they're able to get the resorts up and running and, and back to normal as soon as possible. And that they're, you know, can get the season launched, but we have to wait and see. Yeah. One thing we won't have to wait and see about too much longer is our friend, Matt Pepin, who we uh, spoke to again on the podcast this week for our main topic. He has just started to write again for the New England Ski Journal, where this last article about Sierra Tahoe fires was from. And chatting with Matt is always fun and interesting and kind of gets us fired up to do some skiing in the Northeast. He's a Massachusetts guy. He's got some great insights. We had a great conversation. We hope you enjoyed as much as we did. So here is our chat with Matt. All right. And we have another very special guest. You may remember him from previous podcasts. It is our pal, Matt Pepin, Boston Globe sports editor. Matt, thank you so much for joining. Thanks for having me again, man. It's uh, always good to be with you guys. No doubt about it. Love talking yeah. skiing with you guys. Love yeah. having you on here. Yeah. Love having you on. And unfortunately, again, this morning, very serendipitously, we got the news that the Snowbound Festival, which used to be called the Boston Ski and Snowboard Expo, yep. has been canceled this year, which is kind of where we finally met up for the first time. We met a couple times there. We've had a great time, had some beers. And again, the way you kind of kick off the ski season in the Northeast is going to that show and checking out all the resorts and the vendors and the people that you've known from the past and all the hype behold, and the pump, right? It was great. The hype, the stoke. It's just, it's yeah. canceled again. Um, it's a, COVID's it's a rearing the ugly head again. It's so, a bummer. Yeah. No um, doubt. It's, you know, it's, it's another one of like the real you know, famous Boston events coming off the calendar, which is just, you know, uh, just such a, such a rough part of the pandemic to have, you know, these things that really you look forward to. And, you know, the idea of gathering is at the heart of them. And when, when you're prevented from doing that, you know, it's, it's difficult. I just think that, you know, the indoor situation of this, because it was scheduled for November. So, you know, it's really difficult to schedule anything outdoors in November other than football, maybe. And, um, you know, it was just, uh, 
one of those things where they saw the way the pandemic was evolving and and continuing to evolve, and I think uh, made made the right decision. It's unfortunate because they had really high hopes and um, some really interesting visions uh, for it. I was eager to see what how it would play out. I had gotten a little bit of a preview of it when I spoke to um, them for a story I did for the Globe about the new owners taking taking on um, putting on the festivals and having a new vision for them, <clears throat> but it was only conceptual at that point and. Uh, seeing how they put it into play was going to be really interesting. And you were planning to go to the Denver one, which would have been October and then the Boston one, which would have been November, right? Yeah. The Denver one was going to be early November and the Boston one was a few weeks later. Okay. Also in November. And so, yeah, I was ready to go out there. We were, um, you know, the globe, uh, boston.com, our, our sister website has always been a sponsor of what used to be the Boston ski and snowboard expo. Like Brian said, and um, and so there was definite involvement or interest in continuing to have some sort of um, partnership where the Globe helps publicize it through um, editorial content. It used to be a section called Chill. And I would always write like one piece a year because I know the travel editor and she likes what I was writing for the newsletter for the time that I did it for the Globe. And, um, you know, it just became to be a, a really fun thing. So to have it come off the board again for another year is kind of a kind of a bummer, but we were planning to go out there. I thought it would have been great to really see everything in play. It'd be cool too. Had you been to the Denver one before? No, I've been to Denver many times and I love it. It's one of my favorite cities. So it was an easy, easy thing to volunteer for. Yeah. Um, (laughs) You know, just because I kind of wanted it. Like I was telling you guys before we, you know, fully hit record on this. One of my best ski days ever was like, building in an extra day on a work trip to Denver and I got out to go skiing that way. So, nice. uh, so this is, this is kind of how I viewed it. I, I knew there wouldn't be any, there would be little opportunity to ski, but I think it would just be really interesting to see the, you know, see if the Denver crowd would match the hype in Boston, because there's no question it's, you know, you, well, you guys have been, we all went there together and you can tell the excitement, you know, people walking down the streets, walking down Seaport Boulevard with a pair of atomics on their shoulder and a bag, yeah. full of, you know, bag full of stuff. Yeah. That's, awesome. that's, that's the thing that, you know, we got the first time we went there is just the vibe, you know, like, I mean, if you weren't excited for ski season before you went to the show, you were just, you were almost like ready to check the, your phone and go, where is the closest patch of snow? Cause I'm going to start right signing up for trips and all that. Like, it was, it was a great experience because it really got you hyped. Um, I really, you know, looking through the article, I, we're going to put the article link out there for everybody to look at, but um, maybe you could describe a little bit in the article. I really love the, uh, the photo, you know, the graphical you have in there of what, you know, the immersive experience and stuff. So um, yeah, tell us a little bit about that. I mean, sure. it's kind of sad that we're not going to be able to see it, but. I think it's like another teaser for next year, maybe. Right. One thing to preface it. So this would have been the first time it was snowbound after it got sold to SIA. So it was kind of taking on a new location, a new feeling, a new, a a new kind of event. Exactly. Right. Yeah. The title of this uh, is a new owner has big, big plans for, um, for a reimagined Boston ski show. And uh, I spoke to Brian Stevenson, who is um, the Snow Sports Industry of America's director of the of what they're now calling Snowbound Festivals, and um, you know he he shared with me some marketing materials that they had prepared and distributed, and um, gave me an inside look. 
at what their vision exactly was. And I, I immediately got it when he, when he told me about it. Like he said, imagine, you know how, like when you get to the ski area and you walk in the lodge door and it's kind of like a, like a little portal into a new little world, you know, there's, you open yeah. the door and you hear the buzz of the lodge and you smell the, you know, the boot feet, <laughs> <laughs> which sounds gross and, uh, to non-skiers and boarders, but to us, it's, you know what welcoming. I mean? Right. It's magic. So, um, and so he described it. So he said, that's how we want our festival to feel. We want, when you walk in to feel like, you know, you've walked into the lodge and you're about to walk out the other side into the amenities that it features, which might be, you know, skiing or a retail shop or a food, you know, a food option or just lounge space or whatever, hanging space. And nice. so that's how they kind of constructed the vision for the um, snowbound festivals was you'd walk in to what the lobby would be called the lodge, and then you could then proceed into other areas. And so what I just described, you know, the lifts to the mountain, the, the dining options, whatever, those would be called like, you know, other names that had ski connotations the lift whatever and some would be retail some would be food some would be exhibitors some would be travel destinations and that's how it was grouped i forgot um what were the like a more thought out immersive experience for people just yep. walking not just haphazardly walking through like most right. most of those conventions i mean if you've ever been to it's basically they just almost assign them randomly when people buy right. booths right so kind of right. putting them in a carefully placed place would be nice a little so more thought call, out. Yep. Yeah. And they were going to call each sort of like pod a peak, you know? So like if you walked oh, nice. out the back of the thing, you know, let's go to ski at Spruce Peak or Blue Peak or, you know, Jiminy Peak, whatever. Um, and each one would be different. So, but this, in this case, they were going to call it like peak performance and um, peak adventure. And, you know, performance would be equipment and stuff and adventure might be for resorts and, and destinations. So, um, right. You know, it was it was uh, a cool vision that I think these guys had. And I forgot what Brian told me, but his background is in like staging, like elaborate, you know, nice. public facing public facing expositions or presentations. I forgot what it was. I think it might have been like might have been the Star Wars experience or something like that. But I can't remember. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Very oh, yeah. Let's cool. say Star Wars Celebration and Comic-Con. Yes. Right. Right. That's what it was. Yeah. So that's, so he explained it to me and, and how you could tell he was a guy who, um, knew his audience really well. I think I suspect from not only data, but from like the empirical evidence of, of observing and putting on these types of shows. So yeah. he, he seemed like a real sharp cookie to me. And I was eager to see how his vision would come to life. I envision it as a little like, you know, like what the Boston Ski Show was, but a little more Disney-fied and, you know, much more Polished. touristy. Yeah. yeah, More immersive. I guess that's yep. kind of the big immersive. word, that's, right? I'm glad you said that because that's exactly um, one of the words he used to describe what he wanted um, uh, guests to feel. Yeah. Very cool. But sadly... We're going to have to wait another year to find out. One more year. Oh, I think it'll be worth the wait in the end. I know it will be. Like, it's I know sound, it's going to yeah. be awesome. It's just, you know, we've talked about it in the past too. Like after we finally got up there in 2018, you know, like it really is something like that. I know I would put on my calendar last year, well, the year before yeah. 2019 and last year's like that's, like it's the 95 degree hot humid disgusting day you're like 
but wait, like just three months away is the Boston show. You know, so Matt, I booked like, our hotel. I'm looking at it now. April 1st, we booked our hotel. April 1st, we booked <laughs> hotels. Like that's how so, excited we were. And I had multiple options and I just canceled the ones we didn't want. And then we're the Waldorf, the Four Seasons, <laughs> you know, all the hotels that we booked. Yep. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's unfortunate, but hopefully in the end, it'll be worth the wait. It is unfortunate. Yeah. yeah and like uh, you, you said, guys, you guys are on the receiving end, but you guys stand to benefit the most because I'm pretty sure it's my turn to buy the next round. Yeah, oh, that's right. Yeah. Anytime anybody says that this? it's their turn to, to buy the next round, I always say yes. <laughs> uh, but no, it would have been so cool. Like you, you mentioned before, having that contrast too, like seeing what the Denver vibe is like versus the Boston vibe. You know, yeah. I can, you know, I, I was out in, in Boulder and Colorado back in March and all the, one of the mountains, like there's such a different feel, the mountains, the vibe, the lift lines versus what you're getting at, you know, Killington on a Saturday. So mm. yeah, it would have been cool to just, uh, to see that vibe. I think I just, if I were to, to make a guess, it seems like the new England crowd, a little more aggressive, but a little more appreciative while the Denver crowd a little more like, Oh yeah. I mean, we're here. This is like what it is. All the time. So amazing. Yeah. That's what I would assume. But again, mm -hmm. I'll have to wait another year to find out. Yeah. One more year. But that's all right. There's going to be plenty of other stuff to do. Hopefully it's not going to be as bad as, uh, and as confusing as last year. I think last year there was so much confusion because it was all new. Uh, this year, if people are going to do some kind of, you know, amended, you know, way to visit places. I think uh, everybody's prepared for that a little bit better this year. So, yeah, I would think that the restrictions are going to start to be eased. And, you know, as far as planning ski trips for this coming year, I feel much more confident, like booking things now, like last year at this time, you know, we were still in like the, should we go stage? And that lasted yeah. a long time for me personally, like until December, and then, and then we ended up only going the first time, like, I think Christmas Eve, because we knew that we could like all take the day and we knew that we could, my family, I'm talking about just my, me and my wife and three kids, because, yes. um, we knew that it would be, we, we could reserve the tickets well in advance. And that's usually a very, um, on lightly, not very much crowds on that day. So, mm -hmm. um, so we did that and, but then not too long after that, I canceled like my annual trip and really I only ended up going like on a whole bunch of day trips and whatnot. But now mm -hmm. I feel a lot more comfortable going, um, like even at some point this week or this weekend, I'm going to book something for a buddy trip in January that I, um, was forced to, you know, cancel last year. Wow. So I don't know. That's just the way I feel about it with the, we have times. to book two now. Yeah, that's right. One extra day on the second trip with for interest, <laughs> you know, because you got screwed out of it last year. And make up. I for made it. I made good use of my uh, indie pass. I bought that pass last year and I used it eight times. So it was pretty nice. cool, you know. They, they add and then they added some great mountains to it too. So oh, if you're in again. New England, it's a no brainer. Yeah, like totally. it really is. Now you've got Berkshire. Is probably is that the closest one yep. to you? Berkshire, well, Pat's Peak, really. Pat's, Pat's Peak, Peak in New Hampshire okay. is Pat's very Peak. close. Uh, yeah. And that's a very nice mountain. It gets a little crowded. But um, in fact, I think, interestingly, um, I think Pat's Peak was one of the highest used mountains on that pass. Oh, wow. I remember, I remember hearing a podcast with the guy who created it. 
um, Doug Fish. And uh, was it our podcast from three weeks ago when we talked to him? I'm sorry, I'm sorry, <laughs> it wasn't. It was, um, you know, I'll tell you, I, I, you know, I like your podcast, but um, yeah. there is a guy named Stuart Winchester who does some really good podcasts because he focuses on like industry guests, and he had Fish on, and and he, I think that's his name, and he, um, yeah, Doug Fish is. He, yeah, and he gave all kinds of insight about um, the numbers that they were seeing from last year's pass usage. So nice. Pat's Peak, I go, I went, you know, easy to, for me to go there twice, easy for me to go to Berkshire East twice, easy to go to Cannon twice, Waterville twice. I mean, that's eight right there. Yeah, and nice. I think I also used Black Mountain and somewhere else. Oh, very nice. Like I said, I'm going to partner trips this year visiting uh... – Little son playing, stepson playing uh, hockey up there in New Hampshire. Oh, so, really? Yeah. Oh, we while gotta I'm, go then, man. Yeah, while I'm there, uh, we've been coming up through because Manchester's hard for us to get through, and Boston's just so big, has many, you know, much more flights going in and out. So, uh, we've been flying into Boston and then rent a car and then go from there. So, oh, that totally makes sense. That's all I already told my wife. Life. I said we're going, <laughs> and if you're not going, I'm going. It's fine. Well, you know, if you want to meet it, like um, Waterville or. Um, yeah. Cannon or a place like that. I know those places inside and out. And well, uh, Pat's Peak and Cannon were on my list. Waterville, yeah. I think, was was also logistically, it's like pretty close because he's in Nashua. So that's not, you know. Yep. Um, yeah. My uh, my nephew used to be a police officer in Nashua. Oh, nice. Look at that. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, it's kind of central to a lot of stuff. So figure why not take a trip? Brian's not that far away, right? It was yeah, I can. Four or five hours, maybe. Yeah. Oh, we got to make we got to make this happen this year then this year. Yeah. With Mario having that, you know, having to be in New Hampshire a lot in the winter time. And right now, hopefully it stays that I'm working remote. So then I could kind of, it makes travel a little bit easier. As long as Bodie stops plagiarizing papers, I know this is going to happen. God damn kid. (laughs) All right. Sounds good. Let's keep on the side. On the side, we can plan this. Perfect. Yeah. When we talked to Doug, he said the number one most visited resort was Jay peak. On the oh Indy really? Pass. Wow. Yeah, Jay Peak was number one, and that was yeah. with the Canadian border being closed, which yep. yeah. in a way is kind of surprising. And, and Vermont being um, closed to visitors for most of the season. I didn't go to Vermont once last year. Yeah, they yeah, scared a lot of people either. away with the quarantine before you come, and yep. it was logistically, you know, you know, prohibitive. So yeah, if not for those, I would have gone to at least Magic twice, and very likely would have gone to like some of the ones up by Waterbury there. I think, um, Bolton Valley is on the pass. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think Bolton. there's one of, and, and like you said, Jay, you know, that was a good one. Yeah. But. So hopefully Jay's just, they get so much, so much good snow. They had a great yep. year this year too. And the so, trees and, oh. so yeah, we will be up there. We will right. definitely make it happen. I'll tell this you, year. Waterville to me is one of the best places up in New Hampshire. It's really a great mountain. And they just opened a separate little side peak. So Waterville. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. You know what? Some uh, some <clears throat> guys that I'm uh, we met from the podcast who are out in Pennsylvania. They took a trip up there. They did Black, yeah. Waterville, and I'm not sure if they did Cannon. Also, they said Waterville kind of was like was amazing. Yeah, that's great. That's great. I've seen I've skied there probably the second most of any area in New England, just because um, our town ski clubs used to go there, and I would chaperone. Oh, oh cool. perfect. Yeah. 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 It's like we have yeah. a buddy. Uh, Steve used to do the chaperone for high school, and now. Yeah since his daughter's getting old enough, he still kind of doesn't want to lose that just going up for, you know, during the week, uh, a night or yep. two. So he joined the uh, ski patrol. <laughs> oh, yep. So yep. he actually said Smart it's a move. lot of work. He's like, there's a lot of stuff you got to yeah. know. I'm like, yep. yeah. 
But I know a guy who does that at Neshoba Valley. It's just a small little hill um, in Massachusetts. But he's also a police officer, so he already has all the certifications anyway. Right, and the EMT stuff. stuff. Yeah. That's how he pays for his skiing for the year. Nice. Yeah, it's not a bad life. Because I guess the ski patrol guys get some reciprocal rights at other mountains in a lot of cases. Yeah, most of the time, if they're not jerks. Well, I heard there wasn't there an issue last year with Vale. Like they, there was something that was. I think they were kind they were of not reciprocating or something over the ski mm. patrollers, and that's when that you know one of the first big like kind of COVID shutdowns was at Hunter Mountain in New York, mm-hmm. and they said it was really just again. I don't know if this is like I don't think it's breaking news or anything, but they said that a bunch of the patrollers were like we're not getting any sort of hazard pay or or anything, so right. we're just gonna not show <clears throat> up, and they had to close the mountain down for a couple of days. Yeah. Right. I remember that story, but I I actually don't re- don't recall how it turned out. But I remember there was a big issue with the patrol there and there was some kind of job action, I think, either like a sick out or maybe a little bit of a strike. Yeah, yeah, I think it ended up being kind of a strike. <laughs> so we interviewed. Um, was it Tom from uh, Ober Gatlinburg? And he was telling us because we were asking him about, you know, getting workers for the resort and stuff like that. And he said it's hard because when you when they have to have certain certifications, if they're either sick or quarantined or whatever, you actually risk shutting down parts of the mountain or some of the operations or maybe not even opening the mountain because you can't just get somebody to fill in. They have to have those certifications. So it's not like having someone fill in as a fry chef. Right. You know, you get anyone to do that. Yeah, exactly. Mario, was that, um, I'm, you when you mentioned Ober Ober Gatlinburg, you yeah. went there, right? And didn't you didn't you do one of those that was podcast my, segments that was like your trip report? Yeah, that was my yeah, big yeah. Uh, trip of last year. I had to cancel yeah. Val Torrens, so I figured let me go to you know Ober Gatlinburg yeah. in in Tennessee. Val Torrens, yeah. Tennessee. <laughs> it's about the I same. Remember right? that one. I, I remember that one, and I remember that um, the last time you did one too. I think it was to Italy. Um, I was really impressed with the way that you do the, uh, yeah, with the, I, the way you do the trip reports are really good, you know, blend a yeah. lot of the experience in together. I thought, so I, I meant to compliment you on that one. Thanks. I, I know you suggested I write them down, but I've been such a slacker. I'm like, well, I don't know. I'm a little shy, but get, maybe I'll get, get around intern, to it one day. Just get an intern to transcribe the uh, podcast. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> You've got free, a step the unpaid free intern. Let them plagiarize <laughs> your voice. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, get, get that free unpaid intern. Perfect. Um, <laughs> so you, you've been planning. So you said you're going to be getting your trips planned for this yeah. season. Much different from last season, which is nice. It's nice yeah. seeing the resorts. I mean, they've already they've dealt with hopefully the worst case scenario, which was last year. And yeah, yeah. hopefully things are opening up a little more, a little easier to get in. I'm. I'm it's going to be interesting to see what sort of crowd capacity it's going to be this year is it going to be the same as last year more than last year uh i mean i tell you though we were talking about it before i think uh you know when we were talking about last year the improvements they made to to separate crowds and eliminate crowds i think that's going to help down the road like immensely because you know just having places you can grab and go you know something to eat without having to go into the lodge yeah that saves you time on the mountain you know things like that i think will will be helpful you know, I don't I see totally that ever agree. going away. You know? I totally agree. There are so many things that came into play last year that um, were forced upon us, but I think should survive the pandemic. Like I love using my car as a lodge. I thought that was fun. Yeah. And I um, had no problem, you know, packing lunch and whatnot. So 
that. Yeah. I like the idea of, you know, the sort of separation and whatnot. A lot of the touchless so, payment and yep. lift tickets yep. and, you know, all good stuff. Yeah. You know, the one thing I wish though, with all the, every place is going to RFID. So why can't they just, why can't you have a universal RFID card? You know, instead of having, right. I don't really care about the money. I get it. You have to pay five bucks every time you go to a new place. It's right. just for me, the hassle of having like this envelope filled with them in my, in my boot bag. I wish I could just have one and just keep it in my jacket all the time. Yeah. And just load that up. Like, you know, like instead if, of redeeming right? if, like, something, Liftopia, you just have what it. if Liftopia transformed into just being an E an electronic deliverer of ski tickets. Yeah. Because yeah, instead of having like, yeah, five different RFID cards for all the different right. resorts you're at. Right. Right. If you say it loud like... enough, Amazon will do it. <laughs> 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 they do everything. Yeah. Yep. That's funny. So one of the things too, that, you know, you mentioned when we uh, were looking for topics, cause you know, again, we, our, our Boston show got, got a uh, got axe which is kind of a bummer oh hey one last thing about waterville that's uh that's where egan lives <laughs> oh, oh is nice. it oh very nice wow all right is that his like summer spot or is he actually there in the winter because he's usually at like big sky a, for well, a while right campton campton new hampshire is right there at the base of waterville valley okay uh, he, he has a house up there so we'll have to reach out to him if we go up yeah i think it's his permanent residence i know i've met him up at cannon uh one time I mean, nice. I followed him down one time. It was, you know, he only took a few runs with us, but I've never seen someone with a better ski form than him. Was it, was yeah. it two turns and he was gone? And you're like, okay, I'll, <laughs> I'll find him at the bottom. <laughs> I follow. I just followed the wispy clouds. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's over there. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. So, yeah, so we were talking, uh, you mentioned it a little bit before the podcast and uh, we'll talk about your, your secret little fun Instagram too. What have you been doing this summer? to kind of stay in shape, to stay, to get ready for ski season. Cause mm. we actually just had uh, a new friend of ours, Abe Maynard, who has this program called the ski system. And he just launched it on September 1st. It's pretty much a ski based fitness program mm. uh, that he's, you know, he's selling that, but it's, he's a former junior Olympic uh, skier. And a personal trainer, he mm. built this whole ski-specific program, and we chatted with him for an hour about all my stupid exercises that I'm doing wrong, and, <laughs> and it was the things that just, people do, thinking that they're getting ready for ski season <coughs> that might be, you know, counterproductive, you know, versus the people who say they're going to ski their legs into shape. So, what are you doing to to stay limber, to stay strong, and, and to get ready for the season? Yeah, yeah, thanks. I I actually uh, yeah, I, I like uh, fitness a lot, and I keep track of a lot of different. Um, you know, fitness trends and whatnot through various media. But, um, and so, but I'm kind of, when it comes to fitness, I'm kind of like, I like someone who likes to fly solo. And mm. so, you know, I'm, I've always, I've been into running for, you know, more than 10 years now. And, uh, but lately during the pandemic, I really love mountain biking. And nice. I inherited, I inherited a beautiful mountain bike from my oldest son who, um, we bought it for him as a gift and he used it for a while. And it's a beautiful bike. But, you know, in recent years, he's just not really been interested in it. So I just kind of tuned it up for myself and it's really fit me perfectly. And I've got it, you know, I brought it to a shop and got it even tweaked out a little bit. Nice. Um, and and um, it was partly driven by I needed to stop running for a while. I had a little foot injury. Uh, but um, but I just loved it so much because, you know, there, there were some really great places to go near my house that weren't heavily traveled by cars and I kind of found a lot of similarities to um, skiing, you know, like I would like there was this one 
place. I just call it McMansion Way because that's what it looks like. But it reminds <laughs> me like if if you were at a ski area, McMansion Way would be like all these beautiful lodges or, mm. or condos lining a beautiful, like wide open white slope with, you know, you can pull off each of them. And so you can ride up one side and go down the other. And uh, to me, it's like skinning up one and skiing down the other. And I just nice. reverse direction sometimes. So, you know, so that makes me think of like skiing and everything. And I feel like that, you know, fitness has to be not just like do the reps and push your muscles. It has to be like your whole body and your whole mind. And so I kind of get into it that way with mountain biking in particular. And million different routes they're all just variations of the same basic places around here where i live and uh so that's been super helpful and then there are hills built in too so i keep my legs in really good shape that's great you know but mixing in running and mixing in yoga on a regular basis i think um those sorts of things and you know just other just staying active a little bit of beer league softball but that got canceled this year so you know couldn't do that but stuff like that i think uh keeps me in shape and keeps my weight under control but i'm pretty much always ready to you know do something like i can go run a run a 5k tomorrow no problem nice that's that's the way you got to keep yourself you know like it really is as you get older it's just the things start falling apart deteriorating if you don't if you don't keep at it i mean you know i'm sure you know people who are the ski my legs (laughs) into shape people and it's like man it's like you're almost 50 it's like why are you doing that like you got to do a little bit really hurting yourself Yeah. yeah Yeah, your body I like to say, ready. I like to keep like a, you know, a baseline level of fitness that would allow me to, you know, be pretty active and do whatever. I'm a firm believer in the whole, you know, body in motion stays in motion, right? Yeah. <laughs> Use so, it or lose it, right? Right, See, right. So I go I with the concept still. that I want to be able to run like an eight or nine minute mile, which is one mile to be able to get away from stuff. Right. Like that's, a, <laughs> it's like a self-survival kind of idea. Like I got to keep in shape just in case I need that, you know, yep. Yep. my little son just turned four, man. And I like, I, I see some of these dads who are like really out of shape and can't keep up with their kids. Yeah. And I really, I feel bad for them. I'm like, this is like the most fun time of their little lives, these yeah. kids. And like, I, I want to make sure I can run around with them. I can, you know, teach them to play hockey. I can go biking with them. I can take them skiing. Like these are the things like they, they matter to me. Like this is like, forget my career. I don't care about my career at all compared to just being able to keep up with my son and, and, you know, be with him as he, you know, progresses. Cause he's a little tank already. He's like 50 pounds. He's four years old. (laughs) He's just full of like energy and speed and he wants to wrestle. And it's just, I, I gotta keep up. And that's, that's a big motivator for me. Well, I'll just tell you, I'm at the point where they're better than me. <laughs> my my two sons, definitely, and my daughter, she's an amazing skier. She can ski anything. And my two sons are like speed demons. So That's because oh, wow. you are. raised them right. Yeah. 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 Now you, One you of them, want David, them to be better. David skis. We just bought him new skis, actually. And uh, so I'm eager to go with him this year. But he and I took a really cool trip, like an Indy Pass trip, because he had the Indy Pass, too. Nice. We went up to Cannon, stayed overnight in North Conway, and then we went to Black Mountain for the first time ever last january which was nice that was the only overnight i did for skiing and it was just one night in like a hampton inn you know so it was really sanitary and we just kept to ourselves and everything all all the time um but honestly i really don't have any issue with that i liked it a lot that's cool that's great yeah Yeah, this the indie pass like we say if you're in the northeast (laughs) we were looking at it last night because we actually just did it we were interviewed by our friend tim at ski rex media and that's coming out probably at some point this week. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's up in Hartford, Vermont. 
And we were just kind of looking at if you're a Northeast skier from Maine to Northwestern or Northeastern Pennsylvania, I think we said there was 18 resorts, but that includes like all of New York state, Northeastern Pennsylvania, Connecticut, Mass, Vermont, New Hampshire, uh, Maine. Yeah. So those States, but that's, that's 30, 36 days you could get if you really wanted to for $279 pass. Right. Right. I mean, I I knew, I I think I wrote a little bit about this last year. I knew that um, they would have to increase the price based on the resorts they were adding and whatnot and the demand for it. Mm -hmm. But I also knew that they were guys who understood the reality of it was that affordability was a key component of this pass. Yeah. Yeah, there's like, like a there's like a delicate balance too that we kind of talked about when we talked to Doug Fish from the Indie yep. Pass is they they can only get so many resorts in a certain area. So you know when they send those emails out like, oh, we're gonna announce three or four new places, and everyone's like, oh, I hope it's the places that are right next to me so that I can get right. more included in my pass. And it's like, oh, it's Japan. And people are like, oh, right. it's not fair. Like that stinks. It's like then go to Japan. Like you can go to Japan. No one's stopping you. I got to think of the concept of doing like a week long ski trip, right? Now you could do in some of the, a little bit more saturated areas, especially in new England, you could do three resorts, seven days, switch hotels twice and, or three times, whatever it works out to be. And you get, you know, six days of skiing. That's, that's not bad. Think of the lift ticket savings in that. I mean, if you really went and bought like at the window, it's just a different idea of planning a trip, you know, a little more work, but you know, I, I can tell you this, I have spent considerable time thinking about how can I scheme up a way to get out to Utah? Because I really would love to go to that one place that's on it called powder mountain. Powder. Yeah. I did that last year. I did that with, um, with Nash, uh, Nashja. Really? So they ran a trip out there. It was uh, an Ogden visit Ogden trip. So stay in Ogden. We did powder and snow basin. And wow. I'm actually thinking about rerunning that same trip uh, for Christmas this year because it's a lot oh, wow. cheaper than Salt Lake City. So mm. Interesting. I, think, I think I looked at one of the travel sites. I'm not going to ruin my own little thing going. I'll tell you after. <laughs> uh, but they, um, I think it was like a thousand bucks for like four days hotel and car. Mm. Uh, fly wow. in a you know, uh, that's without flight. Cause my wife has a deal on flights, uh, separately. That's a whole other five finger discount. Um, <laughs> but, uh, flying to Salt Lake right. and, and Ogden's like an hour away and it's very convenient to those like 20, 30 minutes from each of those. So yeah, and nice. it's a quaint little town. So yeah, I'd like to check it out sometime. I don't, maybe this year won't happen, but I was, yeah. I was psyched when I saw they were added to the Indy pass. That's for sure. Yeah. And that wasn't too bad with the COVID restrictions. It was actually pretty, pretty open. I mean, everything was outside, you know, powder, especially everything was outside snow basin. They had some stuff inside with, you know, uh, restricted, you know, how many people and and where people sat, but, uh, it was, it was pretty good powder. I was, I was very surprised. It was all you're outside all day. You know, they have huts, you know, where you get your grab and go food, everything. So, but with the trip, we got to see the owner's yurt. And that was, if you look on Instagram, I think I put a video of the yurt and it was so cool. I was like, I want to live in this yurt. <laughs> it was very cool. Yeah, they had a whole yurt yeah. set up, right? Mid-mountain snow basin. <clears throat> yeah, it was two yurts connected and they had like all these cushions and like 
you, you felt like you were a Sultan in there and it was like all like really cool and cozy and all windows on this yurt. It was beautiful. I was like, it was just one big room inside. Yeah, it was one. Well, they had two of them connected, right? So it was like two oh. just giant rooms next yeah. to each other. You know, one had oh. tables and the other one had like all couches. So it was kind of, kind of cool. Sultan of Snow Basin. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Felt like a, a sultan. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, All right, so, pot, yeah, Potter's definite. It seems like a great spot to go. And in addition to your duties at the Boston Globe, Matt, you are also going to be writing for the New England Ski Journal. This is yeah. true? Uh, that is true, yeah. I am. Um, awesome. That, that's great. With uh, Eric Wilbur, whom I have very high regard, as I've uh, told you guys, I used to work with him at Boston.com and I've I certainly was um, collaborated with uh, him and Dan Egan on the book. Um, and that was really, a, you know, he, he's Eric is just a real pro. And then uh, and then I also had spoken to Eric Siemens, who was um, publishing company owns New England Ski Journal, along with a number of other titles. And, you know, they were eager to um, to hear some contributions from me, some freelance pitch ideas. And so I sent them a few things and I'm working on those now and kind of. I'd like to keep the topics to myself for now, but I, they're pretty good. I mean, we kind of talked a little bit about one of them, just like the way that kind of skiing can dominate my thoughts in the off season, you know, and fitness is a part of that. So, wow. As it should so, yeah, be. that'll be, that'll be a cool experience to, um, to have a, um, that audience, you know, it's a, it's a really nice, um, magazine. I think they do a great job with it. I love reading it and I love what Eric's done on their website you know, in terms of creating a more frequent flow. So, you know, so the contributions that we talked about were, I would pitch to them, you know, original essays, similar to the ones that I would write for um, the newsletter that I did called It's All Downhill. And then um, maybe occasionally offer them shorter web pieces. And one of them was kind of like a, like a news commentary type thing, you know, pick, pick two or three topics and, you know, make some provide some sort of context or provide some sort of analysis or commentary about it and so that would be the that would be the extent of it you know a few essays and features over the course of the year that would appear both in print and online and then some some web stuff that eric can use whenever he wants nice oh, very cool are you still going to be doing your newsletter as well no uh that's going to come to an end that has come to an oh. end i'm not sure the company may decide to um transfer it uh but i don't have any details as of right now but um hmm. i just uh i just won't be able to do it anymore so yeah. looking at other things like i told you about my instagram uh my secret instagram account called yeah all downhill picks p-i-x nice P-I-X. it's not I secret just, anymore not secret <laughs> anymore but i just started it so i could um it was just a creative outlet as i as i took photos of various outdoor things a lot of skiing but you know i mixed in a little biking and some you know some other um scenes that i've uh encountered over the course of the summer and so you know nice what's the bummer about the newsletter because you always had tons of great information in there and it was always exciting to get that but you know yeah on on to uh on to other outlets that's that's how life works right got to manage your time wisely right it's uh it's tough you can't do everything exactly and the demands of my full-time job really are um really are uh such that any kind of writing I need to just do when I can focus on it and when I can. And so the bottom line is having a deadline of even a month, which is what I managed with the newsletter last year can be difficult. And I don't want to, you know, shortchange readers of an expectation, you know, but I just felt like 
this is the right thing to do. And this way, writing for New England Ski Journal allows me to um, kind of um, pick and choose my spots and uh, take my time with each thing. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. But I like so you I know, it sounds it sounds lazy, but I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean you're doing like three or four jobs, so obviously you know something's got to. Yeah. yeah, you gotta get the food on the table first, and then afterwards you kind of gotta pick your battles. Yeah. Right. Very, yeah. very busy time for Boston sports right now too. So that's uh, that commands my attention first and foremost. Of course, I mean that's my primary thing. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The fall always is the is a big time for Boston sports. Even tonight, big Brady game. <laughs> I know it's big in Tampa. We we were almost gonna go tailgate tonight, but mm. I was like, I don't. It's raining now, so you're I'm gonna like, hop in I your yacht. Know. Go just pull out behind the stadium. Just just yacht up there. there. Yacht up, tie up, be like, hey, what's up? Do some sailgating, right? So this yeah. uh this Saturday, a bunch of my friends and I, we uh they have a boat, so we just packed the cooler full and we went by Tom Brady's house that he's building right over here uh off of Island Way in Clearwater. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. We were like just stalking his house and his neighbors and just driving around. It was it was kind of fun. It was a nice day out, you know. You and Hulk but, Hogan and your buddies. That's right, mm-hmm. just chilling out. Nice. Mario nice. Hulk Hogan at Costco. Yeah, that's that's what the kind of lifestyle to the rich and famous Mario. Just hanging out. He, he took me, you know, took a picture with me. It's just fun. He's all over down here. Hulkamania runs wild. Ooh. Runs wild. All right, Matt. Yeah, nice. So, anything else you want to plug promote before? No, I'm good. It was uh, good to talk all, to you guys. All downhill picks, PIX on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. We'll put a link in the show notes to your article regarding the Snowbound Festival so you can get excited yeah. when that comes up in 15 months. Fingers crossed. Uh, yeah, we can also put yeah, a link of sure. New England Sports Journal, right? New England Sports Journal, of course. Which, uh, if you're not subscribed to that and you live in the Northeast, I don't know what you're doing because it's it's full of tons of great articles and information. Eric does, like you like you mentioned, Matt, a phenomenal yeah. job putting that together, and even he's a today, great writer. Um, even today, he has an article up there about about the cancellation of the Snowbound show. Oh, he does. So, oh yeah, he's that. all over it. I, Breaking news. Quick. Yeah, I was yeah. just reading. We actually talked about on the podcast last night about his article regarding those fires out in the Tahoe area. Oh, I didn't see that one. Oof. Yeah, that was. Mm. I mean, I, I don't know if you saw the I photos. The, fires. the Sierra at Tahoe, like you see the fire burning where Ooh. the lifts are. I mean, it's yeah. it's mm. it's scary. It's scary. sad. Very sad. Yeah. So count your blessings. That's we'll sum it up with that, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. All right. I like the I like the idea that we have a little bit of a um, ski plan on the on the agenda here. That if we, if the dates can sync up, you know, it's going to happen. Ideal. And I'll tell you this, Mario. Weekdays will be better for me. I know. Hey, like I said, I don't mind taking weekdays off. Listen, weekdays are better for all skiers, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Well, if I'm watching hockey on like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, what do I do Monday? I think stay Monday, Tuesday and leave Wednesday or something like that, or leave Tuesday night, you know, do two days and ski somewhere kind of nice. It works. You'll have plenty of options. Yeah. We will make it happen. Matt Pepin, thank you so much. And yeah, we'll see you on the slopes, hopefully in the next few months. Always a pleasure, man. Take care, guys. We hope you enjoyed that. If you want more information, check out the links in the show notes at our website, skibumpodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening. We really do appreciate it. Check us out, skibumpodcast.com. We are on all the socials, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at skibumpodcast. Send us an email, skibumpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to check out the shop, skibumpodcast.com slash shop. 
go to your favorite podcasting apps, rate and subscribe. We would really appreciate it. Thank you so much again for listening and we'll talk to you guys next week. Stay high, stay falutin. See ya.